Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Hey everybody, this is Marnie and welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Today we're doing some leadership training with our guest, Jenny Catron. And uh, she's going to be talking to us about moving your leadership from ordinary to extraordinary. And during the next hour, you're going to discover how the greatest commandment applies to every area of leadership. You're going to be able to identify your strongest dimension of leadership and what that means. Discover why first learning to lead yourself is a critical foundation of influence. Three strategies for leading in times of chaos, how to understand the indispensable roles of humility and servanthood in leading well, and also the four dimensions of extraordinary godly leadership and how to apply them to any area of your leadership life. Now, Jenny Coutron is a leadership coach, author, and speaker. Her passion is to lead well and to inspire equip and encourage others to do the same. She loves a fabulous cup of tea, great books, and, and learning the game of tennis. And you can learn more about her at her site. Jenny is spelled J-E-N-N-I, and the last name, Katrin, is C-A-T-R-O-N.com. Welcome to you, Jenny. Thank you so much, Marnie. It's fun to be with you guys today. Well, and it's great to have you. And you kind of have an interesting combination of platforms um, you you lead in many ways. Maybe just give us a little um, background about some of the things, some of the ways that you personally are a leadership, um, kind of what's caused you to have this insight for leaders. Sure, sure. Well, I you know, was one of those people that was given leadership responsibility from the time I can remember, which I'm sure a number of your listeners can relate in that you know, I was the kid that was put in charge of things always at an early age. So Leadership was something that I loved even before I really knew what the word meant. Um, And so, of course, as I grew up and went off to college and anticipated what I wanted to do um, career-wise, I, you know, was always gravitated to places of influence, which, you know, I really believe that leadership begins with influence. And all of us have some degree of influence to one, one, you know, one way or, or another. But I always found myself gravitating to roles that gave me a greater influence. And uh, maybe I was just a bit of a control freak. Maybe it was a little bit of trying to steward that God-given gift of leadership. But in any case, that journey took me to uh, working in the music business in Nashville, Tennessee for almost a decade. I had always loved music. And then I also just loved the idea of helping lead a team to make you know, it possible to get music in the hands of people and to get artists on stage doing concerts and, you know, all the details that go on to make the the business of music happen. So that's where I really, you know, kind of started discovering this, this idea of what leadership really means and how significant uh, leaders are to the lives of the people that we influence. Mm. And, you know, I, so, you know, my early lessons of leadership really occurred in my, my twenties when I was, you know, my first corporate job managing other employees and just recognizing that I had a lot to learn, um, as a leader in order to lead well. And then from there did a crazy curveball and went into full-time church ministry. And, uh, my husband and I were a part of a church that was launching in Nashville, uh, we were we had both pretty much grown up in the church, so we loved the local church and were involved in that. And then when uh, the lead pastor of a church called Crosspoint uh, reached out to me, uh, we had been just volunteers attending, and 
And he said, hey, you know, this church is growing really fast. I need somebody with your gifts and leadership to come and help lead the staff and oversee ministry and, and do all of that. And so I was in full-time staff ministry um, for the last 12 years and worked at two different very large multi-site uh, churches with, you know, numbers of locations and dozens of staff. And, but along with that, opportunities to speak and write about the subject of leadership uh, just kind of developed along the way. And really, my greatest heartbeat and passion is helping to equip leaders, because I really, at the end of the day, believe that leadership is sacred work, that we get the sacred responsibility of influencing other people's lives. And uh, that's kind of been my uh, passion and burden of trying to figure out how to be, lead well, because leadership marks people's lives so significantly. Mm, absolutely. If you if you've ever been under a really bad leader, <laughs> you have a new appreciation for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we all, so we all have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Talk to us about the greatest commandment and how it applies to leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And this was really you know a journey for me of that you know I'll tell you all the story of my first leadership, you know, like really one of those defining moments, let's say, of leadership. I was 23, I think, and I was promoted to the first, uh, promoted to a new position at the company that I worked for, the record company that I worked for. And I, uh, you know, had an employee who reported to me. So, you know, I was pretty excited about this opportunity because I had a paid employee who reported to me. I was the boss, you know, so you can insert all of the pitiful, you know, experiences of a young, you know, naive, arrogant little, you know, manager, but that was me. And uh, very quickly, I was frustrated with this employee. I felt like they weren't doing things the way that they ought to do them. You know, they weren't doing things the way I directed her to do them. And I went marching into my boss's office complaining, saying this person wasn't going to work out. We needed to you know, do something different, you know, they just weren't doing things the way I said they should do them. Yeah. And you chuckle because, you know, um, and so my leader looked at me and he said, Jenny, if you want to go work with widgets, go work at a factory. But if you want to work with mm -hmm. people, you're going to have to learn how to love them and lead them. Mm -hmm. And wow. I mean, Marnie, that was such a like, and there was a whole lot more conversation that took place in that moment, but I'll never forget that uh, just it was kind of that sucker punch moment where I recognized, wow, leadership isn't about me. Like this opportunity, this place of influence, this responsibility that I have, it's not about getting my agenda done. Now, ultimately, you know, when we're working with teams, we want to accomplish an agenda together. But I really had to be thinking on behalf of that individual and thinking on how to bring their gifts to life and how to take their gifts and their talents um, and align that with the mission and the vision of the organization. And then something remarkable happens when we're able to do that. But I realized I had a lot to learn. So all of that led to this kind of, you know, just crazy quest for me to figure out, well, what does it mean to be a good leader? What does it mean to move from just this ordinary leader to an extraordinary leader? Like, how do I do leadership differently than a lot of people do? And I, so, you know, I'm a person of faith, so I'm, you know, studying scripture, I'm, you know, reading biblical stories, I'm reading historical, you know, accounts of leaders throughout history, and the tons and tons of great examples, right? But then I came back to something that's just very fundamental to those of us of faith is 
where in scripture, Jesus is, you know, he's asked like controversial questions about taxes and resurrection. And then they say to him, well, what's the greatest commandment of all? And he says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. So for those of us that are Christ followers, we know that that's considered the great commandment or in Jewish tradition, it's called the Shema. And it's pretty foundational to, uh, uh, to faith and that it's like that core, that great commandment of we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as I studied that, I, because uh, I was kind of curious, well, why, why the intention to say heart, soul, mind, and strength? Why doesn't it just say, love the Lord, your God? Like that should be enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and so what's the importance of those? So I started studying all of this and the implication is that those four elements, those four dimensions represent our total being. And so when Jesus was telling people to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, he was giving us an indication of what our whole person looks like, everything that God has given us. And so the light bulb came on for me as, you know, somebody who's just passionate about figuring out health, what healthy leadership looks like, is to say, there's the framework and this great commandment, this thing that Jesus said is the most important thing of all that if we're to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then the second greatest commandment is to love others, and the implication is to love others with heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we just take that a step further and say, well, leadership is really all about loving and serving others, and so how do I do that with heart, soul, mind, and strength? And that moment really helped me recognize that most of my leadership had all been kind of that dimension of the mind, very strategic, very directive, but it, it lacked a little bit of heart. And so as I started looking at these four dimensions, it gave me a framework to say leadership isn't one dimensional, it's really four dimensional. And if I can lead with my whole being, I think we can lead people extraordinarily well. Mm, I love that. I am curious about it. I've often, I've actually thought of this before because I agree with you that this is encompassing the whole thing. And then there's a pretty popular definition of soul that is mind, will, and emotion. But yet mind is listed here separately from that. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, and I think that there's probably, they're, they're all very interconnected, obviously. So the way that I distinguish these four is I'm looking at them and based on the you know, study of scripture I've done, which, you know, there are a number of scholars who have done much more thorough study. So I don't want to um, overemphasize the study that I've done on it. But as I look at them, the way that I interpret those four dimensions specifically in relation to leadership is to say that the heart is that relational side of us. It's that piece of us that longs to connect with others. Um, and we do this naturally with our families, but a lot of times we, we remove this element in our business or our leadership transactions. And so just that relational piece, that heart side of us needs to show up in leadership. The soul in, the, in, in my equation in this is really that spiritual dimension for us. It's the, it's the center of morality and integrity and our character. It's, kind of, it's really the truest part of who we are. Um, that the soul is that, that thing that longs to know God, longs to help others know God. But then it's, it's where our, um, uh, just as a, especially for those of us who are followers of Christ, it's where we're attempting to live a Christ-like life. And so where, you know, where, where, our, um, uh, where things like character and morality and integrity can show up, I think that's the essence of leading from our soul. 
Um, and then mm. mind is the, uh, I think this is the strategy. This is the planning. This is the place. This is, this is our brain. This is how we think and how we work. And it's where God imparts a lot of wisdom to us. But it's fascinating what our mind is capable of doing. And uh, but so in in the context of this conversation, I look at the mind as the strategic part of leadership. It's that person who's going to get things done. And for most of us, this is the one we naturally gravitate to because it's the thing that people praise us for. You know, the the reason why I got promoted at such a young age was because I was getting stuff done and I was a good worker. I was a hard worker. I was a smart thinker. I was making good decisions, but I was leading solely from the mind and I needed to open up and actually learn to lead with a little more heart and soul. And then the mm-hmm. fourth dimension, the strength piece, I equate that to the visionary side of leadership because vision brings strength to a team. Uh, you know, we know the familiar passage where um, uh, for lack of vision, people perish and so vision provides strength, it provides hope. And that's, that's how I interpret that dimension in regard to leadership. Mm, awesome. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with Jenny Catron of JennyCatron.com, and that's J-E-N-N-I-C-A-T-R-O-N.com. We're going to come right back and talk about how to identify your strongest dimension of leadership, what that means, and how to discover why first learning to lead yourself is critically important. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Event. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marty, and we're doing some leadership to tra- training today with our guest, Jenny Catron of JennyCatron.com. Jenny, let's talk about um, identifying strongest dimensions in your own life and in your role as a leader. And I think as we're talking here, you know, there's some controversy about, you know, um, if you should lead from your strengths. Or mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you should trust, you know, lead from your weakness because that's where God's strongest. Um, so right. maybe address that while you're talking about this. Yeah, that's a great, great point, Marty, because there is, there's a lot of debate on that. And, you know, and I, I'm one of those people who has uh, taken about every personality profile out there and, you know, and constantly on a, on a uh, quest to understand more of how I'm wired and how to best steward that and so forth. But I think there is, I think there's a tension that we as believers live with and that um, I think there's a stewardship responsibility to attend to the gifts and the talents, those strengths that God has given us. So we don't want to neglect those gifts, but then there's also, you know, the places where we're weak is where God makes up the difference and we see his strength shine through. And so I think there's a both and there. And as we're looking at these dimensions of leadership at heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, as even as I was probably sharing these, all of us know 
could quickly say, yep, I lead with a lot of mind. Like I'm a very strategic leader. I naturally build plans and processes and have action and direction for everything we're doing. Like, so in my case, that's what comes really naturally. That's the strongest dimension for me. Um, I have a dear, dear friend who uh, she is really strong in heart. You know, she is one of those people that is everybody's best friend. She's incredibly warm. She's sensitive. She's thoughtful. She's caring. She, you know, is engaged and wants to know what's going on in your life. And so she just naturally exudes leadership from the heart. And, and that just, just, it comes with ease to her. And I watch and I marvel and I'm grateful for her influence in my life because she's helping me learn to lead from heart better. You know, some people are really strong in soul. They, you know, just have a deep passion to connect with God and connect others with God. And, you know, that just comes out kind of first and foremost. And then some people are just remarkable visionaries. Like they always see what's ahead. They have great ideas for the future. They're always leading people to, uh, you know, the next grand adventure. And so even as I describe those four, I suspect most of you listening can say, yeah, I'm naturally strong in one or the others of these. And I have a free assessment people can take on my website if they want to just go, you know, kind of say, okay, which one of these four dimensions am I naturally stronger in? But the case that I make for these four dimensions is that unlike, you know, some of the other personality um, tests and things that are out there that, you know, help us define what our strong, our strengths are, or, you know, um, I think because of the implication of that great commandment, which says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, I believe that there's an implication there that all of us are created with all four of the dimensions to some degree. Like all of Mm -hmm. us have heart, soul, mind, and strength. They are in us. Now, naturally, we're going to lead because of our personality. We're going to lead from one of them just with greater ease. And it's probably been the thing that's more developed in us over time because of Uh, just how we're wired, how we think our personality could be a combination of nature and nurture, you know, taking, taking place there. But I think all four of them do exist within us. And so my, my uh, encouragement to people is to lead with a greater awareness of all four. So for example, for me, I naturally lead with a lot of mind, I'm going to be very strategic, you know, my leader gives me a new goal, and I'm going to figure out how to develop the plan to get us there. What I have to be sensitive to is that I can run the rest of the team over with my aggressiveness towards (laughs) accomplishing that goal, right? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And that I can just be oblivious because to me, it's so natural to just go guns blazing full steam ahead. And I'm just wearing out the team and exhausting them. And because I don't naturally lead with as much heart, I won't be as sensitive and aware of that. And so my growth edge as a leader is to go, you know what, wait, I need, I know that leading from my heart needs to be a part of who I am and how I lead if I really want to become an extraordinary leader. And so I need to lead with a greater awareness of that. And sometimes that means putting people like the, my friend Ashley that I just, you know, described, I need to have them close to me because in that case, like, so Ashley, who I I mentioned, worked with me for nine years. Um, We worked side by side. And she was the person who would say, hey, Jen, I think the team's getting a little tired. I think you need to slow down and just, you know, kind of let them breathe for a minute. Not that we don't want to accomplish this great goal or, you know, this great plan, but they're getting a little frazzled and and, and worn out. And so, you know, maybe we just need to slow down and have kind of a team 
discussion, you know, about this and kind of get a sense for where people are. And so, you know, as on the, on the flip side of that, somebody who leads with all heart is going to be, you know, always making sure everybody's okay, but they might not really move the ball forward much. So every one of the dimensions has some positives and some negatives to it. And so we need to understand that when, when the dimension that I'm strong in is overused, it becomes a liability rather than an asset. And so as a leader, I've got to be aware of what's the dimension that I'm strongest in and, and then also, which ones am I weak in and how do I either bring people around me or how do I have a greater awareness of the need for more of that dimension as part of my leadership? Because it's going to make me and our team better for it. Mm, that's so good. You know, you talk about for a leader to learn to lead yourself first. And this is, this is really... I feel like with a lot of, you know, like your example of being 23, I remember the first time I was placed in a management position and I was like 18. <laughs> I was like, yes. you're so young and you don't have a clue how to lead others. And mostly it's because you're still figuring out how to lead yourself. And even at this stage of my life, there's still areas in my life where I struggle to do this well. Uh, so talk to us about, like, what is something that we can do to help better uh, lead ourselves so we can lead others? Uh, to the best of our ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, Marnie, is such a deep passion for me because I do believe that's so true, that we have to lead ourselves well to lead others better. And, you know, for so many years, I was just kind of oblivious to a lot of my weaknesses or, uh, you know, growth edges as a young leader. And those things, you know, uh, tripped me up occasionally, you know. And so as leaders, we have to be constantly looking for how do, where do we need to grow? How do we need to grow? Um, and, and, and humbling ourselves. And that's where that humility thing comes into place here is that recognizing that, and, and like you said, I mean, there's still, I think, a, I think a leader is always leading themselves well first, you know, so every stage of leadership, like knowing I haven't arrived, that there are so many things that I need to constantly be learning and, and looking for ways to grow so that I can be better for the people that I lead. So, you know, practically, I think this is, you know, leaders are learners. We hear that all the time. And I think it's just so incredibly true that we have to surround ourselves with resources and content and mentors and friends that are constantly stretching us and helping us grow um, and think differently. You know, I think it's really easy sometimes to kind of get um, comfortable uh, particularly if you've been in a, in a role or a, an organization for quite some time, that you, you just kind of get settled and comfortable in that space. And so I think always being willing to disrupt the, uh, your world a little bit, you know, is really, really good. I think it's Mark Batterson who says change of place, um, uh, change of place plus change of pace equals change of uh, direction. I think that's, I might be butchering that quote, but the, but the essence of it is we have to like, we have to adjust things sometimes to help kind of disrupt the system so that we're more aware of the, the places we need to grow and the things where we need to grow from. And so, uh, and, and, and for every person that looks a little different. So I think you've got to really be saying, you know, what, what is stretching me and where am I growing and always positioning yourself to be learning from others. You know, I, I was challenged this spring to really, um, I had heard it about a different leader, and I was challenged to look at my own life through this lens. And it was that when you sit under the teaching of someone, 
who has a stronghold in their life and they are teaching you or they are leading you, that the teaching that you receive is somewhat skewed because of that weakness that they have. And sure. it's not like you could ever find somebody who doesn't have a weakness. I mean, every single one of us is going right. to have that. But it was really highly challenging for me to look at my life differently and say, you know what, that's true, and this is true of me. When I take my um, areas of weakness that I haven't yet fully you know, yielded to Christ or it's not fully healed yet, I actually am bringing that with me to those that I lead and those that I teach. And it's important to just be aware of that, you know, our great need for Christ and also yes. that that we need to continue to let him heal us, you know, at you know, at his pace and his timing, but to, to be open and flexible for that so that we can become the best leader that we can be in the moment. And, you know, like I say, you know, you're never going to be perfect in the moment, but you can be aware of your weakness and you can be aware of your savior. Yeah, that's so good, Marnie. So true. Like we, uh, I think that's the responsibility of leadership. You know, I think a lot of times we are for those places of leadership and influence, but when you really begin to grasp the weight of that and you know that, okay, my stuff, the, the ugly stuff that I'm working through actually impacts the people that I'm leading like that, that will, that will weigh on you. Um, and, and there's a, there's a right level of carrying that weight, obviously, because we do have to surrender it to God and allow him to work through that. And then again, that's his, his power showing up through our weakness, but, um, but also recognizing that, you know, the responsibility of leadership gives us, uh, I mean, really creates that responsibility for stewarding that well, you know, that I do need to be mindful of, you know, what are the things that are holding back or hindering me? Where is fear? Where is insecurity? Where is doubt? Where is pride? You know, where are the, what are the different uh, that I am wrestling with in my own growth and development? And I need to be doing everything I can to grow through those things because the people that I lead are going to be better for that as well, or worse if I'm ignoring it. The other thing is people know our stuff, you know, like, we, (laughs) right. We, yeah, we try to cover it up and pretend we've got it all together and the people we lead see right through it. You know, so some of the greatest work we can do sometimes in leading our teams is being willing to be authentic and honest about, you know, the, you know what, hey guys, I'm wrestling with this issue and I know that's affecting us as a team. And so I want you to be aware that I'm praying about this. I'm getting counsel on this, you know, and, um, and I want you to help me identify when this part of my leadership is tripping us up tripping us up or holding us back. And that's a really vulnerable thing to do as a leader. And obviously, you know, there's, there's a right way of doing that, that, you know, um, we have to lead with confidence and strength because that's important to a team, but sometimes confidence and strength shows up in that a willingness and that ability to be authentic and honest too about what we're wrestling with. Yeah. Another thing that I think of with leaders a lot is that the, the way that you perceive and treat yourself will be the way that you treat your team. And so if you're Mm. very hard on yourself when you make mistakes, you will tend to be very hard on your team when they make mistakes. That's a great point. Yeah, and I think it's really really helpful to kind of watch people's faces and (laughs) – you know, I just I kind of have learned to watch for the body cues, you know, yep. and people can tell me back when, you know, when I'm being overly harsh or maybe jumping to a conclusion or running ahead of everybody. 
you know, as long as we're willing to recognize, you know, we are we don't have it all together. That's not we aren't placed in a position of leadership because we're so awesome. <laughs> we're yeah. placed there because God created us to be a leader. And so um, I, I just love the reminders to, and we're going to talk about this more too later in the hour, but to remain humble and to remain just in this position of I'm growing too. We're in this together. Yeah. Yep. So great. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with Jenny Katrun of JennyKatrun.com. It's J-E-N-N-I-C-A-T-R-O-N.com. We'll be right back, and we're going to talk about three strategies for leading during times of chaos. Are you an author or do you know someone who would like to see their book published as soon as possible? Join us at Marnie.com for author training. You will learn how to write it well, get great graphics, attract an agent, format it for e-readers, get good reviews, connect with libraries, and market via media. All over at the author training at Marnie.com. Check it out today. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and our guest today, Jenny Catron of JennyCatron.com, is sharing with us some leadership, ah, leadership strategies I can't talk. And we're going to talk about um, leaving during times of chaos. Jenny, uh, uh, we own a couple businesses, and then I uh, work with the online um, online stuff too, and Seasons of chaos, there's some really intense seasons of chaos. There's the little daily chaoses that you know, that pop up as you're going along. There's everything yeah. in between. And it, uh, the position of leadership is maybe never more tested or more important than during those seasons. Um, because it's, it's great, you know, to sit in a calm environment and set direction and you know, things like that. But it's it's a whole other thing when everything's going crazy. Uh, so talk to us about how to stay calm in those moments, how to actually lead uh, from a God-centered position. Yeah, yeah, it's so good and it's so true, Marnie, that, uh, and I think this was one of the grand ahas of my leadership journey was, you know, I think mm. probably because I'm a bit of an, I, I am an A-type, I'm a firstborn person, I'm the overachiever, I'm like, everything stereotypical that you can assign to that control freak. And, you know, so when I was in early, you know, moments of leadership, I just kept thinking, okay, once we get this done, then everything will kind of be set. you know, like I kept looking for that moment of complete control where everything was in order and perfect. And yeah. And right. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. not that way. And what, why is that? It it goes back to that early leadership example that I shared with you that I was trying to control people as if they were just cogs in a machine that I could manage and manipulate. And leadership is all about people and people are complex and people are unique individuals with different gifts and talents and experiences and emotions. And, you know, like it just breeds complexity just by the nature of it. And then life, you know, like life just throws curveballs, and, and, and so 
I think the big aha for me was when I could recognize that complexity is our reality as leaders. Like leading through complexity, leading through chaos is our playing field. Like that's what we do. Like part of our job as leaders is to help look at the complexity ahead of us and recognize that what we do, what we provide for a team is stepping into that complexity and starting to provide clarity. And I think that was one of the most freeing things for me as a leader was to recognize that complexity, chaos, is actually where I live. And the gift that I get to bring to the people that I lead is by trying to make it a little less chaotic, a little less complex for everyone else, right? Mm, and so I love that. that was, yeah. yeah, that was the game changer for me because I recognized, no, this is what I do. This is what I get to provide to my team is helping you know, bring a little clarity to the chaos. And um, so when you kind of can just go, okay, this is, this is what I do. This is what I get to do. Uh, it, it just kind of shifts your perspective on it. And so, you know. Yeah, just, let, me, you know, let me jump in there for just a second. Yeah, too, please. Because I think this would be a great time, listener, for you to just pause and step back. I'm going to give you one more example, too. So Jenny's used the example of uh, complexity is my playing field. It's really a paradigm shift. It's instead of complexity and chaos being the rare exception. <laughs> you have to yeah. say, no, this is where I live. This is where I play. Um, I, I'm thinking about our retail store, and when I train in a new person, I let them know that, you know, they're going to be running the front till, but in between times, in between customers, they're going to have projects to do. And sometimes that project is going to be way down an aisle that's close to the till box, and that one day I timed myself as I ran the till and did a project, and I was never able to work on my project for more than three minutes in a row. And I had to keep going back to the till this whole day. Every, every one to three minutes I had to go back to the till. And so what, what it does is it sets the right expectations. Instead of setting this un, unreasonable expectation that leadership is going to be awesome and calm and yeah. smooth and that every once in a while you're going to have a you know, ruffled feather. But I'm thinking, listener of you, and I'm thinking of the different roles in your life, and even Jenny and I can think about this too here, and about how as a parent, you know, are you mm-hmm. expecting, you know, what are you expecting? Is it reasonable? Is there a need for a paradigm shift there that you would say, you know, parenting is something that I invest in every day, and sometimes I get a hug or a kiss or a reward or a thank you, <laughs> you know, instead of I'm doing this for those things. And if we can change our paradigm, shift how we're perceiving it, it can really reduce a lot of stress. Maybe just passing that back to you, Jenny, at this point, um, how have you seen that happen for you? Yeah, that's so good. And it is. It's like it just it's an expectation thing, right? In that, you know, when we have this ideal scenario of how things should work and they don't work that way, it just is a stress builder and makes us anxious and frustrated and frazzled. And that impacts our teams for sure. And so when you do, when you can put this paradigm shift on it, I love the example that you used, you know, from your business and then, you know, of parenting and that sometimes we create these ideal expectations of how something should work and they're unrealistic and they kind of just set us up for failure. And so when we can, you know, just slow down and go, you know what? No, it rarely is everything ideal. So we have to give ourselves permission and kind of reframe the expectations so that we can live and lead in these moments of chaos without it just completely undoing us. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories in scripture is the book of Nehemiah. 
And I think mm-hmm. Nehemiah is a great example of somebody who led through chaos really well. Um, if you know the story, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're t- and this is a lot of chaos, but you know, he leads the Jewish people to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that had been in shambles for like 70 some years. And so, and one of the things that's important about that story is that the, the wall of Jerusalem was very symbolic to the Jewish people. It was a symbol of strength, of power, um, of God's provision. Like it was a very like important symbol. And yet it had been laying in ruins for 70 years, most of the lives, you know, the lifetime of most of the people at that time. And so they really lacked hope for a future. They lacked hope for what was next. And so Nehemiah takes on this project. And uh, what's striking is just how much resistance he faces. And obviously there had to have been a lot of resistance for it to have been left undone for 70 some years. And Nehemiah takes this on, but it is, there is nothing simple about it. I mean, he meets resistance both from, you know, uh, 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 people that were in opposition to even the Jewish people themselves as it's getting difficult and it's taxing and it's frustrating. And, um, and one of the things that I love about that story is if you go back and you read through it and you notice how many times um, Nehemiah goes to prayer. Um, and, and they're just subtleties in the scripture of, it. you know, he prayed and then he did this and he prayed and then he did this. And it's so striking to me because at the foundation of all of it was that I think he recognized he wasn't doing it in his own power, in his own strength, that he constantly was going back to God in prayer for wisdom, for direction, probably even just begging God to continue to give him, you know, uh, you know, uh, reinforce that he was doing the thing that he needed to do. And so I just, I think his story is a remarkable example of somebody who led through chaos and led through it really well. And there's a couple things that I pick out from that. Um, you know, as I just look at that and I say, okay, what does that mean for me when I'm leading in chaos? And one of the things that, you know, I just repeatedly look at is just that, that willingness to take a first step because, you know, the tension of leadership is that, Everything is complex, it's difficult, it's frustrating. And most of the time when that happens, I just feel paralyzed, you know, like I just don't even know what to do. And part of the responsibility of leadership is just being the person who's willing to take the first step. You know, you can go back to um, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, you know, back in the Old Testament across the Jordan River, and God had promised that the waters would part. Um, but it wasn't until their feet touched the water's edge that the river actually stopped flowing. And, you know, it's like, I love going back to these Old Testament stories because, you know, when you start looking at them through a modern day lens and you go, you know, God had made this promise to them, but, you know, it was complete chaos. It was complete, you know, like craziness. And it wasn't until they were willing to take a that then God showed up and parted the waters and they were able to keep moving forward. And I think that's the important thing for us as leaders to recognize is that there, there's a bravery in taking the first step, whatever the chaotic situation is that you're facing, being willing to be the one to take the brave, bold first step. And that's really leadership, right? It's going first. And so I think that's a key thing for those of us when we're, when we're leading through times of chaos. The second thing that I would say is we have to face our fears. Um, in that, you know, a lot of times I will just stuff and ignore fears that I have and either try to just keep on running through or, or, you know, hide, (laughs) you know, usually one extreme or the other. And I think we need to, you know, really just kind of own up. This is some of that self-leadership stuff of saying, you know, what am I afraid of here? You know, what's hindering me? What's holding me back? What is the fear that I'm 
um, dealing with because I've got to face that fear in, in order to understand the fears that the people I'm leading are facing. And so just being willingness to go, okay, what is it? What am I afraid of? Because I think fear hinders us and slows us down so much as leaders. And sometimes we aren't even fully aware of it. It hasn't reached the surface. And so, you know, we need to be mindful of what's the fear that's kind of inhibiting me or holding me back or making me want to avoid this chaotic moment of leadership. And then the last thing that I would say, the strategy for leading in chaos is that remember that as leaders, we provide hope. Um, for people when we're willing to go first, when we take that first step, when we face our fears, um, then it inspires hope to the people that we're leading. And people just need to have hope for the future. They just need to know that, that there is a reason why we're going through this chaos. There is a reason why we're going through this difficult thing. You know, for the Jewish people in Nehemiah, there was a really good reason why rebuilding that wall would be significant to God's people, you know, and so Nehemiah had to keep reminding them. He had to keep inspiring with ho that hope for a different future and a new reality. And so I think those three things are really important for us as leaders, as we're leading others through chaos, that we are willing to take that brave first step, step that we face our fears and that we just continually seek to inspire everyone with hope. Mm. It's so good, and, you know, you've worked with so many leaders, and I've worked with so many leaders, and I think one thing that, you know, I'm just asked if this has been your experience too, but from my experience, most of the people who have um, very large leadership responsibility roles have really experienced a lot of trauma in their own life. They've really mm -hmm. had several opportunities along the way to develop these kind of responses where there is this quality of bravery, of intense faith in God, you know, in an ability to see past the current struggle to something that will come beyond it that will be helpful and good. And and when you are under a leader who is a strong leader, one of the things that I think you can almost assume, and it's not true in every situation, but almost, I mean, pretty much across the board, leaders have really experienced a lot of stress and trauma in their own lives, which has caused them to be able to handle stress at a higher level. It's like a muscle. Mm. Um, have yeah. you observed this? Yeah, Marnie, I think that's absolutely very true. And I think it's, you know, uh, for instance, you know, a couple of years ago, it was, it was, we went through kind of a darker, you know, more difficult season. And I was so frustrated with God, you know, of like, why, you know, why are we going through this? This doesn't make sense. You know, I just wanted to run through it and race through it and get it over with and move on. And, but the reality was that going through a difficult season, you know, was, was shaping me and giving me strength mm -hmm. in ways that I didn't have yet. And so I think, I think that is true. And I think, you know, especially for leaders, sometimes we want to uh, avoid some of those situations and those seasons. Well, not just leaders, all of us, we want to avoid seasons right, of pain right. or dis <laughs> discomfort. And there's something God is doing in that he doesn't put us through that just because he wants to see us go through pain like there's there's when we go through difficult seasons there's always work that he's doing and I think it makes us stronger and better for it and so I think you're right I think that a lot of times you know leaders that emerge are people that have been through difficult things and because they've been able to get through those difficult circumstances develop that resiliency develop that understanding of God's faithfulness through those things 
you know, then they're, they're a little uh, more brave to take that first step and just jump into those positions of leadership. So I do, I think there's a very um, uh, direct correlation there. Yeah, I think one of the things that most leaders find a little um, amusing is when people say, oh, I just wish that I could be you because most leaders recognize the cost <laughs> the cost that went into having the position they, they've been given as well. And most people watching don't see that side. Exactly, exactly. We always see everybody else's highlight reel and we rarely see the difficult parts of the journey that you know went on leading up to it. So it's important to remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I love that. When you said highlight reel, it reminds me of um, one of my mentors, Linda Lopez. She had talked about at the you know at the end of your life, just like at the end of a movie, there's going to be this long list of every person who was involved in making this possible. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that I think that as a, as a leader, you the recognition that you didn't get here by yourself. God created your brain and everything about you to begin with, even the season of life you live in. Um, but also that there are other people who helped you get anywhere, who helped you accomplish anything, and keeping that in mind is so important. We're going to take a little break here and come back and talk about the indispensable roles of humility and servanthood as well as those four dimensions of extraordinary godly leadership. We'll be right back. Online training, instant access, increase your skills in the minutes you have. Right now at womenspeakers.com, you can take it to the next level with online training including specific instructions, tips, and strategies to increase your knowledge, skill sets, and earning potential as an author, speaker, media guest, manager, women's ministry leader, or event planner. Pick your area of interest and get going today. The training sets at womenspeakers.com include over 24 modules, each 60 minutes long focusing on practical, doable, and easy-to-implement next steps in your particular field of interest. You can purchase each set individually or join to gain instant and ongoing access to them all for one low price. Get online training today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and you're visiting today with us at Marnie's Friends. Welcome to you. And we have a special guest today, Jenny Catron, who is talking to us about leadership. Jenny, let's use this last segment here to talk about, um, one of the things we want to talk about is the role of humility and servanthood. And it's kind of fun to talk to you, uh, Jenny, because I don't I don't know you well. I, I know you from online, but I don't know mm-hmm. you well. But you and I actually have uh, quite a lot in common, just from what I've heard you say. Yes, <laughs> I think you're my yeah. twin, my twin from across the, <laughs> across the airways. <laughs> I love you that. Know, one, of things, well, one of the things that you know happens a lot of times in a leader's life is that very young, they're given quite a lot of responsibility, and this can really go to a person's head, and yeah. can really make it. Um, you know, they start to believe. I should say I started to believe everything people would say about me. You know, you just do such a great job and you're just, you know, so great and you're just the perfect person to do this. And, you know, you hear these things and it goes right to your head and Mm -hmm. there needs to be a heart filter, a heart filter going on there. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, talk to us a little bit about, you know, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to take this too far. But at the same time, I, I love I love the fact that Jesus and Moses are the most humble people mentioned in the Bible, and yet mm-hmm. they were the most powerful people mentioned in the Bible. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and it is, it's such a, uh, the, the idea of humility as a leader can be a really difficult like thing to get our, our heads around because we are placed in positions of leadership and responsibility. And, um, you know, and like you said, usually those, those gifts are identified pretty early on before we actually have many skills to understand how to handle that praise well, you know? And so it does kind of go to our head pretty quickly and pretty easily. And it'll take a few hard knocks along the way to help us recognize, oh, okay, I'm not quite as wonderful as I thought I was. And the world doesn't totally hinge and revolve around me. And, uh, and so, so how do you do that? How do you, I often will use the phrase, how do you develop humble confidence? You know, because there is a level of confidence that we need to have in who God has created us to be, the gifts that he's given us, the places he's put us to, to lead and to use our gifts to help further, um, you know, his mission and calling on our lives. And then, but there's a humility that we need to have in doing this that, and, and I'll often use this phrase that it, it's a, it's that humble confidence in knowing that it's God's work in and through us. It's not me. It's not about me. It's about God's work in and through me. And if I can keep that frame, um, then it serves me a whole lot, a whole lot better. And I think there's a few things that, you know, we can do as leaders to at least try to help us continue to rightly balance that humility, that humble confidence piece, you know, and, and that it's, you know, always being aware of those places where uh, that recognition that we need to be on a constant um, growth plan of sorts, you know, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, that there is work that God is doing in us until we meet Christ Jesus. I think it's Philippians familiar passage of um, he who began a good work and you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So I love that passage. and I love that particular translation because God is doing a good work in us, but he is right. perfecting it until the day of Christ Jesus, until the day we meet him and we see him. So the perfection doesn't happen while we're here. And I think that's an important thing for us to recognize that there, it's an ongoing work that God is doing in our lives and in our stories. And so when I recognize that uh, perfection isn't a goal to be attained this side of heaven, but it's, it is something that God is continuing to do in me, then I think that that kind of just, I think there's just a healthy acknowledgement and awareness that, uh, that God is co constantly at work in me and I, I have not arrived yet. And I think that can help feed into that. Um, and along with that, you know, I think leaders have to be really purposeful to put people alongside them that are um, mentors, counselors, uh, you know, people who can speak into our lives because the danger of leadership, and this is where I think we, the humility thing can fall by the wayside if we're not careful, is that we will, you know, continue, continually be promoted to greater and greater positions of leadership, and we get more and more isolated from voices who can speak truth into our life. And so I think that leaders, you know, as we're recognizing this role of humility and its importance in our leadership, that we have to be purposeful to make sure that there are people who will speak truth to us because the more power you have, the more people who are reporting to you, the fewer people who are actually uh, in a position to, or just brave enough to speak truth right. to us, you right. know? Yeah. And so I, I think that is just, it's essential. You know, when I'm working with leaders, I'm asking them who speaks into your life. And, um, you know, and, and when they struggle with that question, that's a warning sign to me. And it happens, it happens very naturally. It's not like 
I don't think a lot of leaders set out to just shut everybody off in their life. Some maybe do, but I think, you know, most of us aren't just trying to eliminate voices of truth and wisdom, but over time and just progression, we will lose some of those voices um, if we're not more intentional to make sure they're there. Mm -hmm. And God will continue to provide um, mentors no matter what level you get to. I mean, it's like there there will always be somebody. I mean, Moses' father-in-law came along beside him, you know, so there's always going to be somebody there. Well, we're getting close to the end here, and I want to talk a little bit more about the four dimensions of extraordinary God leadership. Yeah. So um, were the four dimensions, did we, did we already cover them? Is that heart, soul, mind, strength? Yeah, we, you know, yeah, the heart, soul, mind, and strength really are those four dimensions that I think really set our leadership apart. And, you know, and I think the applying them to our leadership is really just being purposeful about saying, okay, you know, which one of these dimensions am I strong in? Which one of these am I weak in? Um, do I have people around me that are helping bring the weaker dimensions kind of to the equation? So if you're a leader of a team and you're naturally really strong in, let's say, the strength dimension, you're just a crazy visionary. I've worked for, for leaders like this. They're incredible visionaries. They always have ideas and, of what to do next and you know, what they want to accomplish, but they need, somebody, they, need a, they need somebody practical, the strategic person, that person who leads from their mind, helping them think through you know, steps A to Z. They need that heart leader and that soul leader who are helping them think about how it's impacting people and, you know, how are people connected to that vision and is it all kind of coming together? And so, you know, I I would just encourage all of you as you're thinking about your leadership, you know, which one of the dimensions are you strong in? Like, which one comes naturally to you, heart, soul, mind, and strength? And and what's great about that? What about that dimension really brings, um, uh, is a real gift to your team? And then which one of those dimensions is a little, um, a little weaker for you? It's a place where you struggle. Like for me, I've been called heartless a time or two as a leader. And so I know that I have to slow down to see people as a leader. I know my natural tendency is to just drive, 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 push, push, push to accomplish this great goal. But I will leave people in the wake if I'm not more intentional to slow down and see people and connect with them and hear their their heart and what's important to them. And so I would just encourage everybody who's listening to say, I believe God's given us the capacity to lead from all four dimensions. I think that they're part of what um, is our whole being. And when that whole being shows up to leadership, I think extraordinary things happen. I think teams are, are stronger for it. And so I just encourage and challenge people. I think just very basic right there in the great commandment, God has given us a framework that can easily be applied to leadership. And when we recognize that leadership is not about us, it's about others. When we realize that it's about pouring in, investing in, serving the people that we lead, and then giving them the best of what God has given us, um, I think we set our teams up and our organizations up for um, extraordinary outcomes. Mm, Beautiful. I just... The only thing I want to add there to that is just to continue to challenge your assumptions. When you see an area where maybe it's not your greatest strength as a leader, and yet, of course, we have to do it all. Um, So, like, for example, I was talking to a business owner, 
and I had hired one of the girls that she had fired. And and uh, she said, oh. how is she doing for you? And I said, she's doing great. She's really doing great. And she goes, really? And I said, I said, yeah, she's she's just doing super. Uh, she's just a great worker. She's very safe. Thank you for everything you taught her because she's just doing great. And this lady said, that just shocks me. And she said, well, she said, what? And she asked me a few questions. And one of the things that came out in our conversation was that I have a friendship type relationship with my staff. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I'm not their best buddy uh, necessarily, but definitely we have a friendship relationship. And she said, well, I couldn't ever do that. And I thought, you know, there are some assumptions that leaders progress mm-hmm. through life with that are really mm-hmm. hurtful to them and their teams, but they have never challenged that assumption. And so I just encourage you leaders to look at the areas where heart, soul, mind, and strength, where are your weaker areas? Where do you kind of have more trouble? And watch a leader who is strong in that particular area, and you will be amazed that you'll be able to see some ways that you can maybe shift and adjust and just change your paradigm a little bit and have a better outcome. So this hour has been so great. Jenny, if somebody went over to your website, what are they going to find there? And you guys, I'm going to give you the website name again here. It's J-E-N-N-I-C-A-T-R-O-N, Jenny Catron. So, Jenny, what are they going to find over there? Yeah, I um, I love to talk all things leadership. So I publish an article about leadership about once a week. Uh, and so that is there. I also have, you know, some, uh, I do some speaking at conferences and, you know, so you can find information about that. I also consult with churches and nonprofits on culture and strategy. And so, you know, if, if there's ever somebody you need help, you are looking for to help with those elements with your organization, you can uh, find information on my website about that. And then also, you know, just connect with me via the, uh, I think it's the connect tab. You can email me and it actually comes directly to me. So I love hearing from leaders and, uh, you know, so encourage you reach out if there's something, a question that you have, or just, uh, you know, a uh, observation that you have that you think would be important. I would love to hear from you there. And also don't forget on the book page, you can take the free assessment of the four dimensions and uh, you can check that out as well as read a couple of chapters from my book written about the subject. Oh, that's so awesome. And so you guys want to check out that assessment under the book page and everything else over at JennyCatron.com, J-E-N-N-I-C-A-T-R-O-N. Wow. What a fantastic hour. Thank you so much for being here, Jenny. Marnie, thank you. It was a joy to chat with you. Loved connecting. So thank you for the opportunity and thank you for how you're investing in leaders. I'm so grateful for your influence. Oh, thank you. And you guys, thank you for being here. It's always so fun to do the shows every week. And for those of you who listen to the archives or around the um, net on iTunes and Stitcher and in many different places that it's uh, shared, thank you. And if you want to share it on your own website, you can feel free to do that. Just go to Blog Talk Radio and ask for the download box, and you can put that right on your website. So every week you can get the latest um, episode to share. We're looking forward to good things coming up, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day and a terrific week. We'll see you next time. I'm Arnie's friends. Bye-bye.